Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. All right, Bobby, I took up golf this year, and I, um, I, I made my rounds around the par three courses, and one that I didn't get to was Lake Park, and I regret it because it's such a beautiful park, and it's got such a great Milwaukee history, and it's got an easy golf course to play. But um, and they do the night golf with the glow yes, in the dark balls. Don't yes, they, I, think? I think they do. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we're going there this week to talk about um, Lake Park Pavilion, where the current home of um, Lake Park Bistro is. But really, the whole park dates back much, much longer, and has really been a, a magnet for Milwaukeeans as long as it's been there. And it was designed by a super famous architect, the same architect of Central Park in New York City, mm-hmm. Frederick Law Olmsted, who this year would be celebrating his 200th birthday. Yes, yeah, so there's there's sort of national um, celebrations and all sorts of uh, museum exhibitions and books and walking tours and all kinds of stuff for Olmsted 200. Um, and here in Milwaukee, there was an exhibit at Villa Terrace celebrating that because Olmsted designed three parks and two boulevards in Milwaukee. One was Lake Park, then also Riverside Park, which are connected by one of, one of his boulevards, which is Newberry Boulevard, um, and then also Washington Park and Washington Boulevard. So he had a presence here, and these were all done in, in the 1890s um, when he was still working and still alive. By the second half of the 1890s, he was no longer working anymore, but his children had taken over the business. And um, if you ask me, Lake Park is the jewel of those, right? Because you get the lake view, but also it's it's sort of uh, on many levels, right? You get the you get the ravines that you can walk through, plus the upper part of the park, and you get that great ravine road, which may or may not someday open. And the <laughs> we'll bridge, the, and the bridge, bridge, the staircase. I mean, and the staircase, there's just so many things going on in that park. The golf course. The location, the golf course, the night golf. Yep. Um, and I think one of the things people love the most about Lake Park, in addition to like the lighthouse and all those are the things we named, is that pavilion, right? Yeah, and currently home to Lake Park Bistro, which mm-hmm. has really become a, another Milwaukee institution. It's been there a long time, and since 1995, right? And yeah. you think about um, you think about that building, which goes back, you said, to the early 1900s, 1903. right? 1903. So, what was that building used for? What was this pavilion used for for all those years? Um, it was used for lots of different things over the years. Um, it, when it was built, it was more it was more open air than it is now. Like some of the enclosed areas now were were porches back then. Um, but it had, quote-unquote, comfort stations in it. Is that bathrooms? It was just bathrooms. Okay. <laughs> um, and even early on, it had like a snack um, component, you know, like a little food service component. Um, and it got a lot of use because there used to be um, a bandstand outside. So it got a lot of use by concert goers and people who would come uh, and use the facilities while they were there for concerts um, and picnickers and that sort of thing. And over the years, it's had loads of uses. I mean, there were concerts held in there, um, even into the 80s and probably the early 90s, very early 90s. I remember seeing Wild Kingdom there, which was a predecessor mm. to Citizen King. Mm-hmm. Um, Naked Ray Gun played there. There were all kinds of shows. You know, the mandolin orchestra, r cadets, like all kinds of various shows and stuff, but they also used to rent it out for events. You could have weddings there. Well, coming up in the second part of our conversation, we're going to just pick it up there, talk more about Lake Park, its origins. Uh, you found some really great artwork and postcards that take you back to that time. And we'll talk about building Lake Park Bistro, which was, uh, com- compared to when they moved in, it's really quite a job they did to restore that pavilion. Mm-hmm. That's next on Urban Spelunking. Do you want to know the secret behind the programming you love? It's all funded by the honor system. 
as a public radio station, we're based on a very simple model. We try to do something meaningful, connecting with you through music and stories. And then we count on those who appreciate what we do to show their support. Are you one of them? Show your support by visiting RadioMilwaukee.org and joining today. All right, back at Lake Park Pavilion. Let's just uh, set here for a sec about the building. So this, this the, the building we see now is the original? Yeah, so the building we see now is the original, and it bears mentioning here, we've talked a lot about Olmsted, but the, uh, the pavilion and then that beautiful sort of curving staircase that leads to it from down below, those were designed by Alfred C. Kloss, who was a... Milwaukee architect. Was that Ferry and Kloss? Of Ferry and Kloss. Yes. Yeah. I'm learning here See? over yes. five years. I'm learning um, these old timey architects. And so he designed yeah. those. So really some of the things that we associate most with Lake Park were not Homesteadian at all. And those were actually done. Um, the pavilion opened in 1903, which is the year Olmsted died. So he, Did he design the pavilion too? No, no. Okay. Kloss did. Got it. Kloss did the pavilion, the, the staircase, and the bridge. So that sort of cluster of landmarks right there were all were all Kloss's work. Okay. So the the Frederick Law Olmsted portion of it was the grounds and the landscaping. Yeah, yeah, he did all that. That's what right. he was really an expert at, right? Yes. And, the, you know, before that it had been farmland. And, I mean, it was, you know, it, he did maintain some things that had been there, like the ravines and things. As much as his landscapes and his parks look natural, they were, they were very manufactured. You know, like even in, in Central Park, he, he moved giant rocks around and things. Right. Um, Prospect Park in Brooklyn, same thing. Like they look very natural, but that was his skill, right? He was able to kind of create these vistas and these settings and scenes that looked natural when really they were not at all. Yeah, that is, I, I, I just got back from Governor Dodge State Park for a camping trip. And I know not Lake Park, but just you can see, you know, all those little like um, all throughout and really for all the state parks that there was somebody that designed those paths and that view, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and kind of carved out the brush so they, there were these vistas that you can take photos on. And, you know, it's just cool that all that design work happened 100 years ago or more, and we still use it, and it still is beautiful. And mm-hmm. just kind of that appreciation for a great view is is timeless. Yeah, and, and Olmsted was really sort of the, I mean, there were people who did it before him, who especially, you know, there were garden architects and landscape architects before him. But in the United States, he really is the sort of the founding father of um, what we think of as, as that sort of park design. Even now, he's sort of the, his parks are the way we think parks are supposed to look, right? I mean, I think people think of Central Park, Prospect Park, in Milwaukee Lake Park, all these things that are Olmsteadian creations are, is to us what a park is. Yeah, when you see those aerial views of Central Park in New York, I mean, it it is so striking and so bold that they made that choice to make a perfect rectangle and you know mm-hmm. in the in the middle of a green rectangle in the middle of the busiest city and look in at the, the country, size of it right, right? I mean, it's huge yeah and over the the fact that over the years it's remained right that right. they haven't sort of chewed away at it to be like well we could just develop this part over here you know i mean the, that they really have left it pretty pristine yeah back to milwaukee here um there was also a like a gazebo on on the site as well right for a stage where bands would perform yeah it was just across from the, you know what the entrance to Lake Park Bistro, there's a little pathway in front of that. It was just on the other side of the path in the direction of the lawn bowling area, but pretty close to the pavilion right there. And that went down in the 50s, right? Yeah. 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 So the pavilion's been there uh, much longer and um, now home to Lake Park Bistro. Reading your story, I was surprised to hear from the uh, the Bartolatas that it was in kind of bad shape or it was just kind of neglected that, you know, just the idea that such a prime piece of real estate like that 
would ever not be that. Yeah, and I mean, I remember going in there in the 80s for those shows and stuff, and it didn't, you definitely weren't struck by it the way you're struck by it since it's been renovated. I mean, Lake Park Bistro in there has really, really gussied up the place (laughs) nicely, right? I mean, you know, it's changed the way we use it. I mean, now, you know, it used to be able to just kind of go in there, but um, it wasn't really getting a whole lot of just sort of casual use anyway at that point. And, you know, is a, there's a lot of discussion about beer gardens and, you know, these restaurants in the parks and, how you know, how much sort of commerce should be going on in the parks. But, you know, the reality is that the parks struggle with funding and the county is not getting richer by the day, <laughs> I think, you know. And even with the income that has come from the, you know, the popularity of beer gardens and the restaurants and, and these other things in the park – they still struggle with maintenance. There's tons of deferred maintenance, that, you know, with the funding for that sort of thing. So I think if they can do those sorts of things tastefully and wisely, then it, in the end, it really just it helps the park and helps all of us who use the parks. So what was the process like for them to build the restaurant out of this park pavilion? Because, I mean, we, you know, we've got park pavilions and parks all over the place. Usually they're not the most uh, extravagant buildings, but mm-hmm. you go to Lake Park Bistro and it really does feel like you're stepping into this upscale, you know, fine dining French bistro. So it was quite the process for yeah, them. Yeah, and it was interesting because they had to raise a lot of money to do the work because it, it needed a lot of work. And this was only their second restaurant, this right? This was their second restaurant, right. So they um, really kind of had to lean on creditors <laughs> to give them money to do it, which because the Ristorante in Wauwatosa was successful, there were people who believed in them and bankers who believed in them and the Small Business Administration and, a bank, and the bank gave them loans to do it. But... Um, the brothers Joe and Paul Bartolotta together did a lot of the work themselves. All of the um, it was funny standing in the in the dining room with Paul as he's, we looked around at all the framed sort of like French themed artwork, and he told me that they went to a bookstore and found some books with French art, and they cut the they cut the books up and they fra- and they personally framed all of those things and hung them up on the wall themselves. And he said, you know, you could tell that Joe, who passed away a few years ago did not use a level when he, <laughs> <laughs> when he hung the pictures. And, and he said uh, when they were doing the work, Joe came over to him and said, Paul, I think anybody's going to notice that I hung that one upside down by accident. <laughs> and it's still there upside down today. What a great little nod. Um, and, you know, they you couldn't really tell maybe, but they really kind of did it on a shoestring budget. They did a lot of work themselves. They You know, he showed me the glassware that they are now replacing, but it was these sort of heavy-duty, um, almost unbreakable glasses that they used for everything, water, wine, whatever, they used the same glass. And he said, because they were unbreakable and they just, they needed to watch their money. And, you know, since then it's undergone some renovations. They, you know, they finally got the zinc bar top that Joe always wanted. They um, upgraded the glassware, that sort of thing. But initially it really was, despite how um, sort of luxurious it felt at the time, they really did it a, a lot of the work themselves on a shoestring budget. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, using a, a knife to cut out magazine pages, that's like a college decorating tip. I think right. I did that I when mean, my like first apartment. Exactly. <laughs> and I don't think people think of Bartolotta as being that kind of company, right? And because right. now their restaurants, I mean, they're higher-end restaurants for the most part. It's kind of hard to imagine a time when the two brothers were cutting up <laughs> right. remaindered photo books to decorate their restaurants. Was there, so they had a background, of course, in Italian dining, how did they make the transition into this French bistro? I, according to your article, one, one of them, um, Paul, actually worked all around France. Yeah, so, um, you know, we talked about this a lot because, you know, when they first broached the idea of opening a second restaurant, Joe's immediate 
inclination was to open another Italian restaurant. But Paul wasn't sure that they would be able to sort of recreate their previous restaurant in this place. Mm -hmm. To him, it sort of spoke French bistro to him based on his experience. And and he said, Joe said, uh, but Paul, we're Italian. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, Paul had had a lot of experience. um, And before he came back, he had been working in Vegas in the wind. You know, I mean, he had... You know, a lot of varied experience. He worked all over Italy, He had, but he had also worked all over France. So he had um, experience in French restaurants in France. He had experience uh, with some French restaurants in New York City. So he had a background in that as well, and he knew how to do that. He knew what – he knew the difference between different sort of levels and stages of French food, and he knew the techniques, and he knew the dishes, and he was confident they could do it. And it turned out to be right because, you know, 27 years later, it's still going. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I when we were talking about the Harbor House, I talked about wearing my little clip-on tie with my dad uh, when it used to be pieces of eight. Mm-hmm. And when my cousin graduated high school, we had her reception at Lake Park Bistro, a little family dinner. And it was, I think I wore the same clip-on tie. Very nice. It was a very, very nice. <laughs> that, that clip-on tie should be framed in one of those. Yeah, that, I think I had one and it was at every wedding that I went to probably before I was six or seven. It, yeah. was, it was the tie. I mean, 27 years is a long time yeah. for a restaurant, right? I mean, yeah. restaurants come and go and even the ones that sort of last, you know, if, if a restaurant makes it 15 or 20 years, that's... That's pretty darn good, right? I remember my mom talking to me beforehand saying, you have to behave at this restaurant. This oh. is, is a nice <laughs> this place. This is not like the usual restaurants we go to <laughs> where you don't have to behave. Well, I was used to going to like the ground round and the chancery, you know, oh, right. where you, it was yep. more for yep. kids. This was, uh, you put the nice clip on tie and you, yeah. you'd be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> we we talked about the upside down poster and some of that artwork. Do you have any other uh, any other trivia of Lake Park Bistro or Lake Park Pavilion or Lake Park itself? No, I'll give you some trivia about Lake Park, about the lighthouse. Okay, perfect. Yes. I ran past Fire the lighthouse away. yesterday and I, I, I saw, as uh, as I always do when I go past it, I see people standing there just kind of staring at it. And um, a lot of people probably know this, but maybe not everyone. Did you know that the lighthouse used to be on the other side of the path? No. Um, no, I did not. Sort of just north of where the Lion Bridge is. Um, but then they moved it in the 19th century to its current position because the bluff was starting to crumble and they didn't want it to fall off the end. They moved the whole lighthouse? Yep. But the lighthouse at that time was only the very top part of it. If you look at the lighthouse, you can cl- if you pay attention when you look at the lighthouse, you can clearly see that there are two different construction methods to the top half and the bottom uh. half. So what they did was that they moved the top half over there and then because of the growth of the trees in the park, the light couldn't be seen out on the lake anymore. So they raised the lighthouse. So that bottom section, and I was trying to think of this yesterday. I wished I had seen a picture of how they raised the lighthouse to build yeah, I was gonna say, the sounds, section underneath it. I would so, love to see that. It sounds like a challenge. Yes. And what year was this, roughly? Um, 1880s, I believe. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm, uh, don't quote me on the date, but that... Generally that, speaking, that era. That so, era yeah. so they probably didn't have the cranes. They probably didn't have... No, uh, I mean, probably block and tackle, maybe some horses or something. Like, I mean, they surely didn't have cranes. But, not, but the thing that I'm wondering is, like, how did they do – I mean, how long would you have to suspend it up there? You couldn't suspend it up there indefinitely while you built underneath it. So you would have had to build the platform and then lift the top part and put it on the top, right? Must have been a lot of pulleys, right? Yes, lots of ropes, lots of pulleys. Very interesting. Horses. 
muscular people. <laughs> That's good trivia. Yeah. You made it right. to the end. You got some good lighthouse trivia here Excellent. on Urban Spelunking. Well, new episodes of Urban Spelunking every Tuesday from on Milwaukee and from 88.9. If you haven't already checked out the, the whole expanded web post at on Milwaukee, make sure you do that. All of these podcasts have a web companion at On Milwaukee, so you're really only getting half the story if you only listen to the podcast. We've got a link to this story, and you can check out hundreds more at On Milwaukee in the Urban Spelunking section. We'd also love if you could take a minute to rate and review the podcast. We'd love your feedback. Leave, a, leave us five stars or type a few words as well. We'd love to hear some feedback from you. All right, Bobby, we'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. <laughs>